Who is the Holy Spirit? I feel like there's so much confusion around the third person of the Trinity that's not like the confusion around the Father and the Son. And maybe it's because of his name, Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, if you're going with the KJV. <laughs> um, who is this person, and why does he matter? Yeah, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and just like you said, he is a person. He's not the force, right? Yes. He's, a, he's a person. Common mistake. Yeah. And his role, when it comes to his role in the Trinity... I really like Wayne Grudem's quote. He says, he manifests the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Hmm. So essentially what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is the one who is present to do the work of God, right, in the world. And he's the one who applies Christ's work of redemption to the individual believer or to the church, right, to the believer's in lots of different ways. Good, and we good. can talk more about that when we get Yeah, there. so obviously, you know, we've been talking about the doctrine of God. What is the Trinity? Was That was the first video dealing yeah. with this. And then we saw the Father and the Son and some of their roles. So again, the Trinity is fundamental Christian doctrine mm-hmm. that God is three persons in one unified Godhead, right? Yeah. That there's only one God, but there's these three persons within God. So v- very, you know, important doctrine, very Super helpful. Important. And obviously we've said in the ontology, in the um, the origin, right, in the, in the actual essence of what the Trinity is or who the you know these persons are, these are three equal beings, mm-hmm. right, that are co-eternal. Co-eternal, yeah. yeah. They, they've existed forever. There's been no time where they began. Mm-hmm. So the Son wasn't a created being. The Spirit wasn't a created being. None of that. Um, but there's, there's also what's known as the economic Trinity. So it's how do these three function together? Yeah. Specifically in the role of redemption is often the focus, mm-hmm. right? They have three distinct roles. Yeah. 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 So, so we'll look a little about that. So the, you said the third, the third person of a Trinity, he is a person, not a force. I think this is worth kind of spending some time on. So can you explain that some more? Yeah. So yeah, we believe the Holy Spirit is not the force or he's not some impersonal, spiritual force guiding the universe, you know, and I don't think most Christians believe that, but I, I do hear some Christians saying, oh, the Holy Spirit is the power of God, right? Yeah. He's just the power of God. And that's wrong too, right? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is not just the power of God. He's a person, right? Jesus calls him uh, the helper, the advocate, the comforter, depending on what translation you use. But and, and just to clarify, person because when I first heard this in, in Bible college, right? Yeah. It was the first time I really heard that kind of language, maybe, or maybe just listen for the first time. But a <laughs> yeah. person is not, does not mean a human. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought, of, you know, as 18 years old, I'm like, wait, wait, the Holy Spirit is a human? No, we're talking about personhood. Yeah, right? personhood. That there's a, it's not a, yeah, it's not an inanimate object. It's not just a uh, personless force, mm-hmm. right, without any sort of mind or will. This has, this, this being, has all the, the aspects of personhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so he's, uh, right, Jesus calls him helper, advocate, comforter. He's a person, only someone with, right, like you said, personhood can be called the advocate, the helper, the comforter. Well, look, at, let me just read one of the, one of the key verses yeah, John, about the Holy Spirit from John 14. John 14. Yeah, so um, Jesus says in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So first of all, we see the Father is referred to as a he, so yeah. the Father, and of course that term Father refers to a person, so that's easy for us to understand. That's a person. Um, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Exactly. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So four pronouns that are used to refer to the Spirit. 
all of them personal. So you're not going to see an it. So we, we, it's just easy to fall into that trap because it, he, he feels less personal, I think, sometimes mm-hmm. than the father of the son. But that personhood is so crucial to understanding who this being is. Yeah. And we also see uh, his personhood in Ephesians, right? We are told in Ephesians 4, 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Yeah. Right? Only a person can be grieved, can feel sorrow, and personal force can't do that, right? Yeah. He's not a force. He's a person. And he's not someone that is necessarily giving us what we want when we ask him, right? He's not a genie. That's I've heard people say that yeah. before, which is crazy. We can't just tell him what to do and he'll do it, right? He, no, his purpose not is Will to. Smith. Yeah. He, or was, yeah. was he like Robin Williams? Neither one. Robin Williams, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's there to fulfill God's will in our lives to uh, uh, apply redemption to Christians, to believers. Yeah, so. that's good. So let's unpack a little bit of that more, some more. So the Holy Spirit, his job, so to speak, mm-hmm. is what? So he's not. He's a person. He's not a thing. He's not a force. But so what is his? What is he present with us to do? Yeah. Well, I think something that'd be helpful is going back to Genesis one. Yeah. Right, where it says, we see the Holy Spirit at the beginning of creation. Right, yeah. Genesis 1. Uh, turn there really quick. Genesis 1, 1. Yes. We're always going back to the very beginning. Exactly. It's, so, it's so helpful for understanding theology to go back to the beginning. Yeah. So Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So even in creation, right, we see this Holy Spirit being present with the act of creation. He's there uh, hovering over the deep, hovering over the face of the waters. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And yeah, we saw this. We see the same reality later, as we talked about in that previous video, Yeah. in the ministry of Christ. When he starts, there's a similar picture here of Father, Son, and Spirit, and the Spirit hovering over the waters yeah, yeah, descending as Christ on is him, baptized. Yeah. And so the Spirit is empowering the ministry of Jesus as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's a lot of roles that he has. So what about his role in Scripture? <clears throat> yeah, so we also see the Holy Spirit guiding and speaking the words of Scripture through the prophets and apostles. Essentially, he's the one who wrote the Bible yeah. through human authors, Yeah, right? That's yeah. that's his role. And he, by doing so, he obviously gives us the inspired word of God, but he also offers this general call of salvation to everyone in the world yeah. who hears God's word. Yeah. Right. Second Peter one twenty says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophe- prophecy has ever produced by the was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Right. So the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote Scripture. Yeah, and even in Second Timothy three sixteen, where it's God breathed, Scripture yeah. God breathed. Um, that I mean, Spirit means wind or, or breath, right? I mean, that's what the word means. So he's associated, I think, I- indirectly there mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, this, so the, the word of God is the Spirit's word. He's the one who's coming alongside and inspiring people and breathing that word uh, onto the page of Scripture. Yeah. And I think, lastly, we see the presence of God's Spirit being the agent of how God sustains all living things yeah this is like a real cool verse psalm 104 27 through 30 um it says these all look to you to give them their food in due season when you give it to them they gather it up when you open your hand they're filled with good things when you hide your face they're dismayed when you take away their breath 
they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Mm. Yeah, so we see that the spirit is what's giving life to all these things. And when God turns his face, when he takes away their, the spirit, takes away their breath, creation dies, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So the spirit is sustaining all living things. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. So how? So you said the spirit applies the work of Christ to us. Yeah. Can you expand on that some more? That's super important in terms of how we understand the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so I think the first place to start uh, when it comes to the work of Christ being applied is uh, the doctrine of regeneration, right, or spiritual rebirth. And that's really the starting point, right? Regeneration can be defined by the spiritual life, uh, spiritual new life God gives to every Christian. And he does so by the Spirit. This is a regeneration of the Spirit. And Jesus says this in John chapter 3. The new birth. Yeah, the new birth. He says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Yeah. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Yeah. It almost seems like God has freedom to determine who has that new birth with that language there. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So the Spirit comes into our hearts. So in terms of looking at the whole Trinity, the the Father plans, right? So he has his eternal decree, which is, of course, in line with the Spirit and the Son. The Son comes and he does the work of redemption. Mm -hmm. He accomplishes salvation on the cross, meaning he pays the price with his blood. Yes. And he is raised to new life to to you know, give us that new power of life. But even then, it wouldn't be complete unless something were to actually come and change our hearts. Exactly. Right, because we we still don't accept that. Exactly. We naturally turn our hearts, we harden our hearts against God. Mm-hmm. So God sends the spirit in our hearts to bring us to life. Yeah, to bring new life, to regenerate your yeah. life, essentially. <laughs> yeah, to, to make us new yeah. so that we can believe, right? to enable us to do something we couldn't do otherwise. And of course, Ephesians 2 talks about how you were dead, right, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So you were spiritually dead, and God makes you alive. And it's the Spirit that is the one coming along and personally, so to speak, doing that work. Yeah, it's incredible. It's awesome. Yeah, so praise God for the Spirit. Yeah, praise God for (laughs) the Spirit. And just think about how perfectly in line all the actions of these three persons are. Yeah. Right, the Father chooses right, and has his plan and he knows those who are his he chooses them the son accomplishes redemption on their behalf right our sins are taken on him on the cross he really pays the punishment it's mm-hmm. not some sort of hypothetical general like he actually pays for the sins of his people yeah and then the spirit applies that work to our heart so each one of their works is completely in line with the other two persons of the trinity yeah you see the oneness of the trinity yeah. there right like three Perfect distinct harmony. persons yeah, doing one harmonious act, yeah. essentially, of salvation. Incredible. And it yeah. speaks to, if we can just step back for a second and just appreciate how we need the entire Trinity to yeah. save us. Like, we need uh, <laughs> this incredible act yeah. of, of God. So that's it's important to remember. Good, good. So yeah. uh, go on with that. Yeah, yeah so secondly, I was going to say the Holy Spirit. So yeah, the Holy Spirit gives us regeneration, and then also the Holy Spirit is our guide, right? He's our teacher. And... He gives us understanding. He gives us, like you're saying, acceptance of the Bible, acceptance of God's word as the authoritative, sufficient, inerrant, inspired word of God. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And 1 Corinthians 2.14 makes that point. 
he says, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what that scripture is saying is you need the spirit to discern God's word. And that makes sense, right? We, I said earlier, right? The, the spirit is the one who wrote the, who wrote the Bible and in order to understand the Bible, you need the Holy yeah. Spirit. And even the broader context is helpful there in that passage as well. It's worth reading and, and pondering, yeah. right? That no one knows the spirit of man except for the man. So you don't, no one knows your mind except for you, and no one knows the mind of God except S- the, the spirit, spirit of God. Yeah. So when we get, we're given the spirit, he helps us to understand those things. Exactly. Or I think of John uh, 16, right? The work of the Holy Spirit, this section here, he says, I still have, this is when Jesus is going to leave them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them or bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Mm. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So in other words, he's called the spirit of truth because his work revolves so much around the communication of the truth and upholding of the truth, right? So, And he's the one who's going to bring things to mind and empower them to write God's word. So... Yeah, yeah, there's 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 so much there we could talk about. So what what else? So how else does the Spirit apply the work of Christ to our hearts? Um, so yeah, He also unites us to Christ. Yeah. Right. So when you believe in Jesus, you're immediately given the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit indwells you, yeah. and you're immediately united to the Spirit and to Christ. Right. He washes you he cleanses you from all your sin the cleansing of sin that's made possible through christ's death like you're saying uh christ's death on the cross is applied to you specifically right it's you're forgiven you personally are forgiven it's incredible right and now you have right standing with god and that right standing is forever right when you receive christ you are sealed with the holy spirit the bible says you're sealed he indwells in you and this is for the rest of your life until you inherits eternal life with God. Yeah. And that ceiling that we see in Ephesians 1.13, for, for one instance, yeah. it, it refers to um, being protected, right, and yeah. authenticated. So a seal would be this, you know, sort of stamp on, on something to say, this is truly from a certain person, like a letter. And it also protects against tampering. Yeah. So the Spirit does both for us. He authenticates and says, yeah, you truly are gods because you have the spirit in you and he also protects us until we come all the way home exactly it's awesome he's like a he's our down payment for the inheritance that's waiting for us yeah 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 and that's another another yeah down payment yeah is, is another phrase used in ephesians 1 uh the next thing the holy spirit does is he sanctifies us yeah. right he gives us the ability to live for god he breaks the power of sin uh that uh, over us when we immediately believe in Jesus. And that reality begins to play itself out progressively over time. Yeah. Right? So so we're called saints or sanctified holy ones today, and it becomes more of a reality practically in our lives yeah. as the days go by. And that process is called sanctification. Yeah. So, and essentially what the Spirit is doing is he's changing your desires. He's uh, changing your actions. But yeah, he's changing your desires. You don't want to actually sin anymore. You want to follow God. You want to honor God. And it's not saying, like like we're saying, it's not uh, right at this instantaneous moment you don't sin anymore, right? It's a progressive thing that... Well, I do, but you uh, don't. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, kidding, kidding. Yeah, it doesn't mean you won't still struggle with sin, but over your lifetime, you'll see growth in areas of your life. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, your, your desires will change, your actions will change, and um, 
those signs are called fruit, right? The fruit of the spirit. Everybody yeah. knows, probably knows that uh, passage, Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, uh, faithfulness. I forgot that one. Yeah. Again, such things there is no <laughs> law. And those That's who right. belong to Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So you're united to Christ and you begin to show it. So it's, so it's your actions. All those are your actions, but it's also the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Yeah. That he's guiding and, working, and changing yeah. and making you into this new creation at every level of who you are. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Good. So, so the Spirit gives us regeneration, the new birth, and he, he grows us in understanding. He intercedes for us. He sanctifies us. He enables us. All these things. So what's our response? What, do we, what should we do now? Yeah, so... It kind of seems like the spirit does all the work in some sense. And in some sense, it's like, yeah, he does do all the work. Yeah. Therefore, go live for God, right? He is giving you the ability to live for God. He's bearing fruit in your life. He's changing your desires. So our response should be, let's walk in step with the spirit. Let's live for God. Let's do what we need to do to honor him and glorify him because that's what he's He's done for us. He saved us and he's... Uh, given us the ability to do so. And what a joy this is because if you were to actually honestly see who you should become, right, who, what God calls you to, the standard of his law, you're going to be so overwhelmed yeah. with the impossibility, the magnitude of that. Yeah. And the spirit is here to help us, to walk with us, right? That he's accomplishing his work in us. And so that's a, a, an incredible encouragement that we have this hope that even though we're flawed, that we're going to be sealed and kept until the day of redemption exactly. by God's grace. Amen.